It's Good Canada, I'm Peyton Smith, and this is The Stew. With Canada's food system continuing to grow and innovate, understanding what information is credible, who to trust, and how to feed ourselves and our families can be incredibly confusing. That's why I'm here, to share relevant information on food topics you care about most with the help of experts. Cassie Brunsveld is a third-generation farmer, Ontario-certified teacher, and a progressive agriculture farm safety day coordinator. She resides on the family dairy farm with her husband and two sons, where they milk 150 cows in the Cambridge, Ontario region. Cassie is currently the program and resource assistant at Agscape, where she's the main point of contact for teachers across the province, providing them with agriculture-related resources to implement in their classrooms. Cassie has always been involved in the agriculture industry. She grew up on a hog and cash crop operation in Ridgetown, Ontario, and learned the value of a hard day's work from a young age. Being able to connect with consumers as well as other agriculture producers is something Cassie is passionate about and loves that she can do this on both a personal and a professional level. Okay, let's dive in. If you could please introduce yourself, where you're talking to us from, and then share your pronouns. Thanks, Peyton. My name is Cassie Brunsveld, and I am chatting with you from Cambridge, Ontario. My pronouns are she and her. Perfect. And we're so glad to have you on today. I actually reached out because we've had several guests on the stew so far to discuss a variety of topics about the food system, but who better to talk about it than a farm themselves? Now, we have had a dairy farmer, Karen, on the podcast before, and if our audience hasn't heard that episode, please check it out because we talked about what cows eat, what their lives look like in a cow palace, and then what that little blue logo looks like on our food. But learning all of that made me want to learn even more. So that's why I reached out to you, Cassie, who is another expert. So to start, how did you get your beginning in agriculture and particularly into dairy farming? Well, the short answer would be that I was born into it. Um, So I was raised on a cash crop and hog operation in Ridgetown, Ontario, Mm -hmm. A lot of people only know it because of we have the University of Guelph Ridgetown College there. Other than that, Mm -hmm. we got one stoplight. So it's pretty pretty (laughs) small place. Um, So, yeah, so I was raised on a farm there um, with my parents and my two siblings. And um, my dad farms with um, his brothers and his dad. And um, it's now gone on to have like my brother and brother-in-law involved and some cousins and stuff. So it's really grown. Um, But getting into the dairy farming side of it. Um, I got married in 2017 and my husband um, and his family have a dairy farm. So cows don't move. So I did. <laughs> so that's how I uh, got into the dairy farming life. Absolutely. That's definitely true. You're much more mobile than a whole herd of cows and a whole uh, farming operation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So while preparing for this episode, I learned that in addition to the dairy farming life that you have, you work at Agscape. And for those that are unfamiliar, what is that organization? So Agscape has been around since 1991, so a little bit over 30 years, um, and they're a charitable organization. Um, It used to be under, like, directly under OMAFRA, so the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs. Um, But since then, they've sort of separated off, making us... um, into, like I said, the charitable organization. Um, We do still get partial funding from OMAFRA, um, but not full funding. So what Agscape does is they bring agriculture and food education into classrooms across the province, whether that be through teaching actual lessons in classes, um, both in person and virtually. Um, We have like an online digital camp 
We send out program or resources to teachers. Um, we have there's like different initiatives throughout the year. So coming up in June, it's local food week. So we send out like packages for that. Teachers just need to sign up for it. The best part is it is all free, which oh. everyone loves. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and it's not just for teachers and students, um, like community groups. So we've had Girl Guides of Canada use our program before we've had, um, summer camps use our programs before. Um, so it's basically for anyone who interacts with, with youth in Ontario. Um, one of the major topics that we like to highlight is careers in the agriculture industry. Um, because so many don't realize, you know, it's more than just a farmer. There are so many people involved in it. So, um, that's one of my favorite things is to see when students make that connection, that careers in the industry can be connected to something that they're interested in, whether it be technology or art or cooking or finance, whatever it is, they can, um, they can have a career in the ag industry. And yeah, seeing that light bulb turn on is pretty cool. That's super cool. I definitely that is related to my graduate thesis. And it's definitely something that I'm super passionate about too. understanding that. No, it's not just farmers. There's so many different careers within the agri food industry. And I love when I hear kids going to explore different technology careers or different types of um, opportunities within the food system. I think it's fantastic. So what specifically do you do at Agscape? So I specifically am on the program and resource team. So I am an Ontario certified teacher. Um, Our team is made up of a few Ontario certified teachers. Um, So I have a few different things that I do on the team. I get to create resources and curriculum connected content, um, like lesson plans and things like that. And it's all curriculum links for teachers. So that works out great for them because you know the things that they need to hit in in school with their students. We have it done for them, right? Make it nice and easy. Um, I get to lead different events um, and I get to be a main point of contact for teachers. Um, Sometimes I jump into different things with different departments. I've, you know, helped do some marketing type things, make little videos or reels for Instagram or whatever as well. Um, So I get to have a nice diverse um, uh, spread of what I get to do on the team. So it's always interesting and I, I really enjoy it. Super cool. Okay, so if we have a mom listening or a dad or a teacher or a community leader, how do they go about accessing Agscape resources? Like, what's the first step if they're like, oh, this sounds interesting. What's next? Um, So definitely check out our website. So it's agscape.ca. We are also on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, And like if you go to the website, it's all... um, like you'll see all the different programs and resources and how to sign up where and we have a newsletter too um that's a big one that gets sent out on a regular basis and that gives um our newsletter subscribers sort of like you know the first they get they get to find out first what's going on if we have like you know a new resource coming out or a new resource package that you can sign up for and get mailed to you all different things like that so that would be the first place I would go for sure Incredible. Yeah. Like I have some friends that are teachers and um, I presented this option to them before. They're like, oh my goodness, I didn't know that existed. I will hop on right now. So uh, the more teachers and educators that we can spread that message about those resources, the better. Definitely. So with all of the teaching career, dairy farming, agscape position, do you think each has influenced each side of your career and vice versa? Oh, 100%. Yes. 
Um, so like Agscape has been a super great fit um, for me in terms of blending together my egg, my love of egg and my love of teaching. Um, we used to be in an office, um, but then when COVID happened, we all get to work from home. So I, we've, and it stayed that way. We never did mm -hmm. end up going back to the office. Um, cause we are not like a massive team by any means. Um, so yeah, it works out well. So the flexibility is great. Like they are right. super relaxed. If, you know, I am needed in the barn to lend a hand with something, I can go do that and then come back to my office when I'm done. Um, I've been able to lead tours of our farm for Agscape. Um, mm -hmm. I've done a lot of virtual ones. I have done a few um, in-person ones for like some local um, neighbors and stuff um, who are like involved with um, different school groups and everything. Um, back in 2021, uh, a couple years ago, um, one of the, the very first virtual, um, we call them virtual food and farm field trips. Um, so the very first one that I did on our farm was hosted on YouTube and Facebook live and we had over 18,000 people register. So that was That's awesome, incredible. but like super, super nerve wracking at the same time. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Uh, but yeah, so like being able to, to put those two together and that, you know, they are really understanding with, yep we're on the farm and sometimes I need to leave my desk and do that. Like it is, it is great. Cool. So enough about you. Let's get to the important part. Let's get to the cows. Um, and just like every household is very different. Every farm is different. So can you tell me about your operation and what do your cows lives look like? You bet. So um, we are an organic dairy farm. Um, we are currently milking about 150 cows right now. Um, and to give you like the best idea of, you know, how things look around here. So we have a free stall barn. So that means that our cows are able to walk around freely. Um, they can pick whatever stall they want to lay down in. Um, all the stalls are bedded with sand. We do fresh sand bedding, um, every single week. Um, but it does get raked out every single day. So my, um, the picture I sort of like to give people who, you know, are having a hard time envisioning it is think about when you're sitting at the beach and you're sitting in the sand, you stand up after a while, the sand is hard where you've been sitting, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we go through um, when we milk in the morning and in the afternoon, and we fluff up the sand, rake out any manure that might be in there and make it nice and comfy for them. But then they get fresh sand um, delivered every week. So then we do that. And um, why, sorry, to why yeah. sand? Like uh, other operations sand? or not necessarily cows, but, you know, you hear about animals on shavings, let's say, or different uh, like peat moss and things. But like why shavings for the cows? So the reason or that we do sand, sand well, <laughs> um, while it is a little bit, it, it is going to be harder on the equipment, right? Like when we're scraping and when we're like spreading manure and like on your pipes and stuff, it is harder, but it doesn't harbor bacteria. So okay. you, your, your chances of getting, um, like, um, problems like with the udder, with mastitis and things like that is decreased significantly by using sand. Oh God. Okay. Sorry. Continue on with how your cows live. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, so like I said, we are organic. Our cows go out on pasture. Now, um, conventional dairy farms can send their cows out on pasture as well, um, that is totally up to them. Um, but because we are organic, it's mandated that they go out on pasture. And 
um, like during grazing season, a third of their intake has to be um, like grazed um, from from the grass in the pasture. Um, our cows are milked twice a day. Um, so about 4.35 o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. um, we have a swing parlor. Um, so we don't have robots on our farm. So we are um, down in the parlor putting the machines on. Still a big improvement from doing it by hand. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, that's the kind of parlor that they have. And it's funny, I have a lot of people like when I'm doing tours and stuff ask, you know, like, doesn't that doesn't that hurt them? Isn't it uncomfortable? Um, it totally it, it actually relieves discomfort, right? If they are like too full of milk, that gets uncomfortable. So they actually enjoy being milked and you know get some relief from that um and they they're pretty routine oriented like um they know like when it's time to go in the barn like when when we have them out on pasture in the spring and summer and early fall while it's still nice out um like right around milking time they all like gather up near the gate and they know okay it's time <laughs> to go up to the barn and get milk so they are creatures of habit for sure um, it's like uh, when our dog looks at us at 4.45 instead of waiting till 5 o'clock, being like, it's dinner time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, the cows also have free choice of food and water, so they can come eat and drink whenever they want. They get fresh feed every day, and that feed, um, depending on like the time of year and what's going on, um, mm -hmm. what goes into it is going to change, right? Then that will directly affect their milk output. So they, they live a pretty good life. They are, they are well-maintained and taken care of up there. It sounds like it for sure. So just to ask you about the pasture. So they don't, they don't go out during the winter, just during like when it's nice and not muddy outside kind of thing. Correct. Because, um, well, a it's, they're not like beef cows, right? So beef cows are, are more hardy. They can withstand like yep. the colder temperatures. Dairy cows are a little bit more fussy um, mm -hmm. and we definitely want it to be dry because um, having them walk through mud um, can cause foot problems like foot rot and things like that. Mud yep. puddles will like, there's like, it's like a bacteria bath in there, right? So <laughs> uh, we don't want them walking through mud puddles. So we like to um, wait until it's nice and dry. Um, before we put them out and like so yeah if we've had you know a few days say it's the middle of June but we've had a few days of rain and there's puddles out there you really got to be careful that they're that they're not going through all that mud absolutely so what made your family explore organic production uh so my husband's family wasn't always organically certified so the farm okay. started by my husband's opa so that's his grandpa in 1967 um, and it wasn't until 2006 that they began the transition from conventional to organic, which is a three-year process. Okay. Um, part of the reason that they that they switched was because they already had some of like the processes in place, like they were already grazing the cows, um, mm -hmm. so that wasn't like a big a big change for them. Um, but they'd seen a niche market opportunity, like the demand for organic milk was definitely increasing around that time. And mm -hmm. where our farm is located, um, so yeah, we're just outside of like, we're sort of on the border of like Cambridge and Guelph and Hamilton. Um, our land here is very hilly and very rocky. And so it's not ideal for row cropping like beans and things like that, right. just because of, yeah, the land type. So um, yeah, all it was sort of like the perfect storm that that made that transition, you know, a viable one. And yeah, being close to, 
to um, urban areas and stuff like um, when you rent land and and people are you know might be a little bit leery about how like how you grow your crops and you know a lot of them don't want you to use sprays and stuff not that you know sprays are bad like I said I grew up on a cash crop and hog farm and you know it's it's there are rules and regulations in place for a reason and you know one is not better than the other right like you know, we're all to, yeah, that's right. It is just options trying to, you know, fit the market. Well, you talked a little bit about the difference between like conventional, traditional milk production and organic, but what are the other differences between the two production practices? Um, so definitely how the crops are grown, like I sort of mentioned um, yeah. just previously. Um, the third of our intake during grazing season has to be grass. So when those cows are out on pasture eating um, lots of grass. Um, and it's mandatory, like that they spend so much time out there as well. Like you can't just stick them out for a day and be like, okay, that's it. We're organic now. It doesn't work that way. Um, we can use antibiotics. Um, so we can use them. Obviously you need to have a vet note as would a conventional dairy farm as well. Um, but yeah, it's not that, you know, if, if a cow has a problem that we're, that we can't treat it you know, with an antibiotic if it needs to be, right? Like um, animal health and, and welfare is is number one priority. Um, so making sure that they are all well taken care of. Um, so yeah, those would be the, the main ones is like how the crops are grown, that they're, they're grazing time, things like that. Yeah, and then for like the antibiotics, just for clarification, you guys would have a withdrawal period, just like a conventional traditional farm, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Any cow that's been treated, that milk does not even touch the touch the tank like the like the other milk. It, we milk it completely separately and it goes down the drain. Cool. OK, so you talked about being close to like an urban environment and things. So where is your milk processed? How is it processed? And then theoretically, how could I get a glass of milk from a farm cow that you own? Yeah, so um, our milk is shipped to a couple different places. Uh, one of them is Organic Meadow in Guelph, and the other is Saputo, which is in Georgetown. Um, at these plants, our milk is processed. We have the majority of it is um, fluid milk, so milk you would drink. Um, mm-hmm. It will be cheese, yogurt, and butter. Um, so as with all dairy products, um, you can find their products at your local grocery store. And it's a general rule of thumb that your dairy products are, are processed and distributed relatively local to the area that they're produced. So like Eastern Ontario products stay on like the Eastern side of Toronto Mm -hmm. type thing. Our products would stay on, on this side of Toronto type thing. Um, because the turnaround time from plant to, to grocery store is like super, super minimal. Right. So it's nice and local and fresh. Um, And for how these products are processed. So fluid milk is pasteurized. So that means it gets heated up um, to a really high temperature and then cooled down. There's a few different methods of pasteurization. That's why, you know, you see some milk in like refrigerators, but there's also some milk um, that you can find on like a shelf that hasn't been refrigerated. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just has to do with the pasteurization process. Um, and the reason that they do that is to eliminate any pathogens um, in the milk and extend the shelf life. Got it. Okay, so jumping a little bit away from milk production, I have a really weird, quirky question, and I just I have to ask. So on social media, 
I've seen videos of cows having their hooves trimmed and it's probably embarrassing, but I am super entertained by these videos and (laughs) it just seems very intense and very interesting. And for those who haven't seen the videos, can you tell us like, how do you trim your cow's feet? Are those videos for those who have seen them accurate? How does that all work with their hooves? I know you mentioned you don't want them walking through muddy water just for hoof health, but what else do you guys do for their hooves? So, yes, much like myself, our cows get pedicures. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, There's nothing wrong with a good pedicure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, this is to prevent and, and, you know, decrease any foot problems. So um, cows, if they get sore feet, um, it can lead to so many other issues. Um, Right. Like it can, and it will affect their milk production. They can, you know, get infections and things like that. Um, so we have a hoof trimmer come in and they'll like shave down their hooves. Um, there's like two parts to the hoof. So there's like the inside, which is sort of like on the bottom. And then there's the outside, which is like up on the top and the sides. Um, so sort of think of it like cutting your toenails. Mind you, I'm not using, you know, a heavy duty piece of equipment <laughs> on my toenails. Yeah. Um, but that's what the cows need. So um, it keeps them more comfortable. It keeps them walking properly. And yeah, to prevent any of those problems. Um, if there is a cow, say one of the cows does have a sore foot, um, the hoof trimmer, they're able to treat the infection and they have some different things that they can do to wrap it to help it heal. Like sometimes they might put like a block on the bottom of their hoof and then tape it um, just to like relieve some of the pressure that the cow's feeling, um, different stuff like that. Um, because we do send the cows out to graze on pasture, especially when it's dry, um, it's going to wear down the hoof and, and that keeps the inside, like that bottom part, it keeps their feet dry. So that prevents a lot of potential problems as well. So yeah, cows are, they're a little bit fussy, um, but we certainly do, uh, love them and, and take care of them. Yeah, I, on the videos I've seen, like that block that you mentioned, it literally looks like they're taking the bottom of a Nike runner and just gluing yeah. it onto the bottom. So it's yeah. really funny. I call them their Nikes. I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I will say when uh, I first, you know, came around to when I was going out with my husband and stuff and um, they've like had like a boot on a cow before and, yep. you know, the, the, the cows, any cow that is producing milk is a female um so but the boots were blue so I'm like well they need pink shoes so I found a a pink boot for the cows that's awesome very (laughs) cool okay so to wrap things up a question that I ask every guest that comes on the stew and it can be related to what we talked about today but it doesn't necessarily have to be if you could have the ears of every single Canadian what do you wish they knew about our food system Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. And it's really hard to pick just one thing. Oh, man. I know, I know. I'll give oh. you two if you really want. <laughs> so many things. Um, I think one of the things I would want consumers to know is about, you know, the hard work and the dedication that goes into food production. Um, you know, these are our family businesses and you know, we are putting our heart and soul into it. It is, and it's all weather dependent, right? Like there's a lot of things that are out of your farmer's control when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, growing, growing your food and your crops and things like that. And so it's so important to, you know, like there's so much information out there. And I think it's important that consumers are, are 
researching for information in proper, credible places. And, you know, if they are curious about something, ask a farmer and, you know, Mm -hmm. they would, we would love to tell you about, you know, what we do and how it works. And, you know, what I'm growing, I'm feeding my family and I'm feeding your family. And, you know, yeah, it is, we want it to be safe for all of you. So, you know, yeah, we're not, we're not, you know, trying to be the bad guys and, and, you know, not take good care of our crops and of our animals. And yeah, if you have questions, ask us we would love to you know tell you about what we do and it's not simply you know a nine to five job like you know when it was um we had that crazy weather on on what was it christmas just this past christmas and it was like minus 35 and crazy winds here and everything else like we're out there you know got to get the job done and, and take care of the animals and you know I think it's important for for consumers to know about yeah that love and dedication that goes into it. Absolutely. I think it's one of the reasons that we started this podcast is to hear from farmers as well as experts in the food system directly. So there's no misinformation. It's just straight from the horse's mouth, pun intended. Um, And I think that's incredible. And like you said, the cows don't know it's Christmas Day or they don't care that it's negative 35 and you want to be home by the fire. Um, they still want to be fed and need to have fresh water and things like that. So there definitely is a lot of dedication from each and every farmer in Canada. Exactly. Well, Cassie, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully our listeners have a better understanding of what organic production means and how that fits into dairy production overall and the importance to our Canadian food system. So thank you very much and have a great day. Not a problem. Thank you. That was a great conversation with Cassie, and I loved learning about the differences between traditional dairy production as well as organic dairy production, the differences as well as so many of the similarities, and I truly love the fact that there's so many options for Canadians at our grocery stores. For more, tune into the next episode of The Stew.